This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Before you mash that fast forward button to move to the beginning of today's episode, I'd like to quickly tell you about some ways you can support the show and everything that I'm doing right now. You can support the show on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Again, just go on over to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Become a patron for as little as $5 a month. Or you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. It's incredibly important with the way iTunes works. So if you have a second, please leave a rating and or review and subscribe on iTunes. Uh, you can listen to the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts, you can check out chasethomaspodcast.com. That is all my previous episode, a link to my newsletter, and all my articles that I've written. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at chase double underscore Thomas. You can like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer, or you can just tell a friend you found this independent sports podcast that they should check out too. Thank you for listening. You're all the best. And I think we've reached the point in this intro where my uncle Darren can play me in. All right, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to the Chase Thomas podcast. We're recording this on a Wednesday evening. It's thundering lightning here in Atlanta. My 15 year old dog is not a fan. He's had a tough day, but shout out to Bandit for being the best dog and a very good boy. But anyway, we're not going to talk about my dog on this podcast. What we're going to talk about is the Dallas Cowboys, who um, I have a lot of thoughts about. Like, I've been wanting to talk about the Cowboys specifically for a while because there's a lot of conversation around the Eagles and Carson Wentz being healthy and looking like the old Carson Wentz and the amount of talent they still have in that roster. The Redskins now with Alex Smith and what Jay Gruden said about his new quarterback, um, and then, of course, the New York Giants, who have become the offseason darling just because they added Pat Schumer and uh, drafted Saquon Barkley in the first round. And Eli is apparently going to be the Eli of old, or at least he's got a couple more years left on the uh, tires, that kind of thing. But the Cowboys, I still think, are the most interesting because the Cowboys went 9-7 and seven last year and almost made the playoffs, even though they had the season of hell where three of their all-pro linemen missed time. Dak took a slight step back. Cole Beasley didn't have the kind of year that uh, I think Cowboys fans expected. Dez is obviously gone now. Jason Witten's gone. But Zeke Elliott doesn't have a six-game suspension hanging over his head anymore. He has a different kind of issue, uh, like his dad uh, going to Ohio State and doing things that he probably should not be doing or the Cowboys probably wish is not uh, ha- would, uh, they wish would not happen. Um, but anyway, a lot of stuff. And RJ Ochoa of bloggingtheboys.com is here. RJ, good evening. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, best wishes to Bandit. And it's ironic that, uh, you know, I, I didn't know you were based in Atlanta, and that's kind of where the Cowboys punk started. So it's holding one full circle pretty quickly. That was the plan. It was all pre-planned. I, I wanted to uh, bring it all together, man. But um, so the Cowboys, they are, I feel like I want to start with, are people 
just are they looking it's just so weird because obviously the Eagles just won the Super Bowl. They're still loaded. They're getting a healthy Carson Wentz back who was playing like an MVP before he got injured last year. Like they should be the favorite. But I do think there is something weird going on where it's like we're assuming the Giants are going to have this great bounce back. Um, and I just I, I don't see it for them. I think the Giants might actually underperform expectations because they still have a lot of they still have a lot to work on, a lot to prove, especially just with Eli Manning. Like, I, I don't know if I'm a believer that he really can. I mean, they had an opportunity to draft um, a Sam Darnold or whoever at the number two spot this draft after the Browns took Mayfield and they chose not to. They chose to take a running back. And uh, I'm always a little dubious of teams that are still doing that. But then again, the Cowboys won 13 games riding a rookie running back in Ezekiel Elliott in 2016 and they have him back. And this was... This would have been a playoff team if they had a Ezekiel Elliott, I think, all year last year. And I think it's easy to forget that they did go 9-7. and seven. It's not like this is a bad team that uh, came crumbling back down to earth after a 13-3 and three run. Um, I think it's just more of we just kind of have forgotten. And then losing Des Bryant doesn't – it depends, like, how you perceive Des Bryant. But he's still out there. There's a reason he's still out there and uh, no one's a bit, even though he is flirting still with the Browns on Twitter and everything. But um, yeah, what do you make of the hype or lack thereof with the Cowboys right now? Well, there's a lot of interesting ideas there, certainly. I mean, because you're right. I mean, it's at a point where Des Bryant's flirting with the Browns on Twitter and that's, I mean, that's a relevant thing. Um, it, It does feel, to your point, like all positive assumptions are being made for everybody else. And, and we're only looking at the negative assumptions for the Cowboys. And the reality is that, you know, everybody kind of falls somewhere in between all of those things. And, you know, I think people kind of forget, and I agree with you. I mean, you know, you're a fool if you don't think the Eagles are the favorite, at least in the NFC East. But, you know, you think about it, and the NFL is such a, a wild card, no pun intended, you know, of the 2016 play, playoff teams in the NFC, only one returned in 2017. And it was the team, you know, where you are, the Atlanta Falcons. And so, I mean, like, you know, people are acting like, oh, the Rams and the Vikings and the Eagles and the Saints, they're just going to walk back. And that's just not the way it works for any team on average. Especially the NFC, which is just going to be a bloodbath this year. Exactly. And, you know, this is a really interesting football team, certainly when you look at what the Cowboys are. And you're right. They didn't just combust after they won 13 games. And I think I agree with you that if Zeke had played 16 games, he probably leads the NFL in rushing. They're probably a playoff team. But I will say before I boost them up, that I've said this before, I think the most dangerous thing that has happened to the Cowboys has been that they've convinced themselves, oh, you know what, man, you know, if Zeke hadn't, if that hadn't happened, we would have been fine. We would have won 13 games, would have been cool, would have been Gucci, everything would have been great. And that's a really dangerous, you know, sort of mulligan to give yourself, you know, in your own mind, in a psychological space. Do you think that's and why so, they didn't I mean, invest in the wide receiver position after uh, Des Bryant left? Because it's not their fault. The Witten stuff caught them by surprise, and um, they didn't have time to replace him and everything else. Like, they'll probably address that next year. But is that what you're insinuating there of like, oh, we get Zeke back, so we didn't have to invest a lot more resources into the wide receiver position? I think the Des thing was a perfect storm. And, and I think that you know, all or nothing. People love to point to that. I mean, it certainly highlighted the negatives and the positives that, that Des Bryant brought to the Cowboys. But so, I mean, okay, you look at the negatives and maybe Des was a little loud sometimes. But, I mean, you know, you put up with that loudness if, if he's performing on Sundays. And, you know, obviously he hadn't really performed in a while. It's been a long time since Des 
uh, has really been insult- himself. In fact, the last time Dez really like dominated a game, you know, in my mind, was, and I was there, was the 2016 game in Pittsburgh. That was oh, that. Wow. You could argue that, that was the game of the season yeah. um, across the NFL that year. Um, but so ever since then, you know, Dez has just kind of been this guy. He's had moments. I mean, he had that touchdown in Arizona last year on Monday Night Football where mm-hmm. he ran over like four Cardinals. Right. Um, but so, so I think that his production drops. And so when your production drops, um, and maybe, you know, I don't want to say his athleticism drop, but maybe he's just not the same guy. And so, you know, that's still fair. You're he's not... getting up there. He's an older receiver now. That's just how it yeah. works. He gets older and he's not as fast as he was. He's not as much of a downfield threat as he was just three years ago. Like you said. Yeah, I think that's fair. Exactly. It is the realities of life beyond the realities of football and sports. Um, so I, I think that, you know, when you look at it, I, I mean, I think getting rid of, of Dez, it helps the offense, as stupid as that sounds. And I, I say, I sound so stupid. Saying, no, it's not I feel stupid. stupid. Like, Dak, um, his favorite target is Cole Beasley. It's not Dez Bryant. Like, I feel like they would be in much worse shape if Cole Beasley did not bounce back this year. And, like, the, like the underneath stuff, I mean, Pres- uh, Dak Prescott loves doing that. Like, Cole Beasley is his guy. But he also loves throwing the ball to a bunch of different people. Like, he, I think... Dak is better off not having a guy who sees himself as a number one receiver because Dak likes spreading the ball around. He's not a guy who um, wants to just pinpoint like an Antonio Brown or Julio Jones all the time. Like I think that might open him up and it might be a relief for him to just know that like I have a lot more options. Yeah, there's a lot more uncertainty at the wide receiver position and tight end as well. But like at least I don't have to like worry about um, massaging Des Bryant's ego this year. Like it's his team. It's his group and it's his job and his responsibility to find a way to make Michael Gallup work Terrence Williams to actually score a touchdown in 2018 because he did not score one touchdown last year which still blows my mind um yeah I just I think it's a it's a positive for Prescott especially in his development like this is year three and he dipped a little bit and the weirdest thing about Prescott for me is that like he is so good when getting blitzed but he took a huge step back when he had a clean pocket last year and he actually had time to find guys. And I wonder if that's just because they didn't have a lot of downfield threat talent. And now they have Alan Hearns, who's going to switch back to the outside. He was in the slot the last couple of years in Jacksonville, but um, he started off where he had the most immediate success in Jacksonville with Alan Robinson on the outside. And he's a deep threat guy when he's able to stay healthy on the field. Like that should help like Hearns over Bryant downfield should help uh, Dak, I think, more in 2018 than people are going to expect. And then, of course, the wild card with uh, Michael Gallup um, and how he'll perform the third round pick out of uh, Colorado State. But doesn't that make sense that like Dak is someone that maybe at this point in his career now that he's really comfortable with the scheme and he's been with Linehan for three years now, like it's time for him to actually start making these uh inconsistent like unknown names at the wide receiver position into guys that um can exceed expectations really because Dak is that good and that accurate totally I mean and and I won't go to a point of of massaging Dez's ego but I do think that you know if it were me psychologically and and sort of what I've related it to over the offseason and in the training camp has been you know if I was on the same basketball team as LeBron James I would feel ridiculous shooting I would feel so you know, just like I was wasting just that possession, you know, because LeBron James is on my team, you know what I mean? And so I think that there is just this some sort of psychological factor, you know, to, well, that's Des Bryant, you know what I mean? Like, uh, that's Des, of, of course, I've got to find Des. I mean, he's Des Bryant. And so I think that you unlock the rest of the offense, you know, that's a, an offseason trope, but I, I really think that you do. Uh, I agree, you know, that, that Terrence Williams can certainly be a guy that bounces back. He didn't have any touchdowns, but that game he had against Kansas City gets underrated. 
Uh, I agree, Alan Hearns. But, you know, the thing about it is, is, you know, Dez certainly himself called the Cowboys offense predictable last season. I don't think there's any denying that it was. But I think part of the reason it was predictable was because of Dez. I mean, Dez isn't a guy who's traditionally worked that well out of the slot. He isn't a guy who's really uh, been the best route runner. Uh, across his career, but now you have receivers that can do everything. And so yeah. now you can line Cole Beasley up outside. You can put Tavon Austin outside. You can put Alan Hearns or Michael Gallup or Deontay Thompson in the slot. You can maximize uh, the level of efficiency you're working with because you don't have that non-negotiable because, yeah. you know, in your own mind, it's, I got to have Dez out there. And, and if Dez is out there, he can only play the X spot. And so that means Cole's in the slot and Terrence is at Z. And, and that's just kind of how we play off. Who are you more excited about, Deontay Thompson, who the new wide receiver coach loves and like apparently pushed for the Cowboys to sign this offseason, and uh, the third-round pick, uh, Gallup? Who are you more intrigued by in 2018? Well, I um I don't want to be that guy, but I'm going to go with a tie. You know, and, okay. and you're right. Sanjay, Sanjay Law loved him in Buffalo. That's where you know Deontay Thompson kind of had some some success. Uh, and I think that Deontay's a guy who's you know I was at training camp for a week. He was certainly impressive. Uh, and Michael Gallup, you know, people liken him to Stephon Diggs, to Michael Thomas. And you kind of you know, let your mind. Yeah, people are sleeping on him. I'm just I'm ready for fantasy because he's going to be my fourth receiver. I'm ready for a breakout like he just he has all the makings. And I watched a lot of his Colorado State stuff. That guy, he's good. I think he's actually going to be a really good player for them. I think he is. And I hate to get kind of cliche about it, but you know, he said something last week in Oxnard that was really, I thought, powerful for a rookie. You know, he talked about he had a, he had a I don't want to say a rough day, but he'd had a, a, you know, a poorer day than normal. He dropped a couple of passes and he said, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm going to have good days. I'm going to have bad days, but they're all teaching days. And I thought, you know, it's a really poignant thing for a rookie to say. And he's he just, to borrow a Jason Garrettism, he seems like the right kind of guy. Apart from who he is on the field, there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about Michael Gallup. And I think you know, the Cowboys just kind of have this, this band of misfits. And when you talk to them, they all say that they are aware of the, you know, status that they have on a national level. They're all aware that people are writing them off as a receiver group, as a receiver core, and they're ready to prove people wrong. And I think that when you put that on somebody's plate, I think you piss them off a little bit. And I think that they've all kind of, you know, banded together. I've said many different times, um, you know, if you can get 53 guys to believe that the sky is orange, well, then the sky is orange. You know, it's not negotiable <laughs> right. at that point. And so I think that, you know, this receiver group, they believe the sky is orange and they're going to make it happen uh, as one collective unit. What do you think of Sean Lee? He's going to be on the weak side. He's on the outside. Like we know how good the Cowboys defense is when he's able to stay on the field. Um, you, you obviously drafted a linebacker, middle linebacker <laughs> first overall. Um the guy who has the neck and traps of just like like everything about this guy, the Boise State, um, great name, great linebacker name, future Hall of Famer kind of name, um, Vander Esch. Is it Layton? Isn't it Layton? In the it's Layton. Layton. Okay, late. I'm gonna go with Layton. Layton sounds more of like the dodgeball, like Globo Jim. Um, yeah. The names. I'm gonna go with that. He's Layton for me from now on. And then. Like, this is a really deep linebacking core, so I'm not really worried about them there, even if Lee misses games, because that's what happens every single year for Sean Lee. But um, you still have Demarcus Lawrence, who had 14 and a half sacks, really came on. Like, they haven't had that kind of pass rush consistently in years, and part of that is because they keep drafting guys like Randy Gregory and, like, just praying that they can actually be on the field, and he might actually be on the field this year. We'll see. Um, Fingers crossed there. You won't have Irving for the first four games at defensive tackle, but they made trades like they got Giab Ward and everything else. So they'll be fine there. But 
Sign Coney Ely. Like their front seven is going to be really good. And we already know with Rod Marinelli, like they're going to be a pretty solid defense, but they made a change at defensive back coach. So Chris Richard comes in, fired uh, by the Raiders last year, midseason. And he is a guy who has a lot of experience working with DBs anyway, dating back to his time in Seattle. Is this a net positive? Are you already seeing the early returns? Because they have invested a lot in the cornerback group in the last three years um, with the Colorado kid who everybody's counting on. And I, I don't even, I want to hear you pronounce his name first so I don't actually make a fool of myself because it's a, uh, he's going to be good and everybody's ready for him to break out, but I have not heard his name enough to accurately um, say it. So how do you pronounce his name? Uh, it's Chidabe Awuze. Okay. Uh, that's how, uh, but he goes by Cheeto. That's a, that's a lot easier. So yes, to handle. there you go. Um, but I, I agree on, on Layton's name. He sounds, and he's right out of Blue Mountain State. You know, he, he yeah. could have been on that show. Um, but, you know, first of all, on Sean Lee, you know, the drafting of Van Der Esch kind of hedges that bet a little bit. You know, the Cowboys have, have a, you're right, an interesting line of depth with, with Jalen Smith, certainly. Who can only play, um, but, what, but like Sean, 50% of his snaps? Like, they, he'll always have to be limited um, with the amount he can be on the field, right? Even though he's going to play strong side. Right. Well, he's currently listed. I mean, you know, these depth charts are, you know, take them with a lot of salt, not just a grain. He's currently listed as their starting middle linebacker. He's been getting work there at training camp. And, you know, he got – they really wanted to keep him on a pitch count last year, but Anthony Hitchens got hurt in the preseason. Yeah. And so, all of a sudden, you know, Jalen Smith was your starting middle linebacker week one. And, you know, once he got to a point later in the season when Hitchens came back, he really did kind of show some improvement because he kind of did kind of need to come along slowly. But, um, you know, the whole the whole defense is really the story of second-round picks. Demarcus Lawrence is a second-round pick. Can he do it again? Jalen Smith is a second-round pick. Can he kind of justify, you know, all the patience that was put into him? And, and Sean, Sean Lee's a second-round pick in his own right. Can he kind of finally, you know, and, and people, he does have this, this fair reputation for being injured. But you think back, 2015, he played 15 games and he didn't play the last game because he didn't feel right. And he even forfeited a roster bonus, uh, missing that final regular season game in 2016. He played 15, uh, 15 games only because the Cowboys sat him in Philadelphia in the regular season finale. Cause they had a first round bye, They didn't want to risk him at all. So last season was the first time he got for, albeit for a small stretch in, in some while. So it's not like he's, he's missing chunks of games every year, but, but I do get, uh, that the reputation is fair. And you're right, though. The secondary, you know, from being out there over the last week, they are just, I mean, I don't want to say incredible, but they are very good. And Chris Richard has brought this, this you know, swagger is overrated, but he really has brought a swagger to them. And Cheetah Bay is expected to take the next step. Byron Jones making the full-time move to cornerback. Obviously, you know, their free safety spot's a little questionable. What's going to happen? Yeah. Earl Thomas, I mean, that, that's been beaten into the ground. You think that's happening? But, you know, I mean... If I, you know, if I had to bet some money, yeah. uh, I would do it. I would do it just for fun. What do you think um, the cost would be <laughs> at this point? Just because he's in the last year of his deal and he wants to get uh, paid, like his final payday. Like, do you think, what, what do you think it actually will cost the Cowboys to make that kind of deal with Seattle? Uh, I, I really, you know, the thing about it is, is the Cowboys were going to spend their second round pick one of two ways. They were going to trade it for Earl Thomas, which was somewhat agreed upon with the Seahawks, or they were going to draft Connor Williams if he was there. He yeah. happened to be there. And so, you know, they offered their third round pick. It didn't work. And it ended up being Michael Gallup. And I think they're still, you know, kind of happy about that if they're the Cowboys. But if I'm the Cowboys and I was ready to give up my second round pick, I'm ready to do that again. That's, you know, that's as, as high as I'm willing to go. And if the Seahawks aren't real, you know, willing to get a second round pick to your point for a guy that's on the last year of his deal, you know, he's going to be 30 years old. I mean, so I, I think, I think, you know, 
I, I, there's no in, in between, but there's somewhere in between a second and third round pick that is, is the sort of established price. It just depends, you know, really how desperate the Seahawks get to, you know, move on from this whole situation. Cause that's kind of what we're waiting on. You know, can, can yeah. the Cowboys wait out the Seahawks? And I, I think they're in a position where they can. Xavier Woods has played well. The Chris Richard element does make it seem more likely because he did help construct the Legion of Boom, but he has been just a force. You know, there were times uh, last week where he was, he was arguing with the receivers. I mean, literally <laughs> chirping at them and getting in their faces. Uh-huh. He wears cleats during practice. There was one point uh, during a seven-on-seven drill where a tip pass ended up in his arms and he returned it like he was just a <laughs> DB on the field. Uh, so uh, he, uh, he's definitely got an interesting uh, way about it. Wow. Um, who do you think is going to break out? Like, do you think it's going to be Cheeto or do you think it could be Jordan Lewis or do you think it's Byron Jones just making that jump from free safety to corner because he's bigger and Chris Richard likes having his cornerbacks on the bigger side. So, um, if you had to pick a, among those three, who makes the most sense to you as like a breakout potential all pro, uh, CB for them this year? I really think that it's Cheeto, and 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 Byron is is a very very close second. Okay, but I think it's Cheeto because he just has this. So, so I know, this means absolutely nothing except in the world of RJ Ochoa. He was number thirty three last year, and uh, and I talked to him about this last week, and he switched to number twenty four because the Cowboys cut Nolan Carroll in the middle of the season because they finally developed a brain. Um, Did but, he clear uh, it with Marion Barber the third first though? I, you know, I don't know, but he, he is aware of how historic it is, you know, and, okay. and I asked him about it because, because I said, you know, dude, this is, this is a legit corner number. You know I mean? There are certain numbers that, that are just reserved for studs. You know, 21 is a great corner number. 24, uh, you know, if you want to go 41, I won't knock I you about it. I want to be 21 in Dallas. It, that uh, I, I would stay away from a cornerback at number 21. I don't want to be Dion two point. I, w- I would want to stay away from that kind of pressure. Right, right. So 24 is great. And, yeah. you know, Cheeto himself said well, that was the number Everson Walls wore. Huh. Uh, so, I mean, it is it is a big time number and he's aware of that. But he, he said, you know, he, he said, you know, I, I feel at home in this number. And I just there is something about that. And, and you know, I'm not trying to qual- qualify that as a big deal, but there is something to kind of just understanding, you know, kind of who you are and, and the cosmetic makeup. To your point, Dion, Mr. You know, you look good, you, you feel good, you feel good, you play good. Chio kind of has that way about him, and he just seems like a guy who who is not going to not be a superstar, if that makes sense. That's good news for the Cowboys because they need that kind of stability, and they've invested a lot. I mean, he was a second-round pick. Jordan Lewis was a second-round pick. Um, Byron Jones, was he a first-round or second-round, too? I mean, he was third. Jordan... Jordan was a third rounder after Cheeto and, okay. and Byron was their Byron was their first round pick That's in right. twenty fifteen. Okay. They they just picked up his fifth year option. Okay. Um how many games does Randy Gregory play for the Cowboys this year? You know, um I mean if I'm being conservative, I'll say ten. That feels fair. Oh wow. Yeah, maybe yeah, I feel that feels fair. I mean, you know, that's a long time away from now. You know yeah. what I mean? To give him the time. Uh, I mean you're talking that's two months, I mean, essentially. So I, I think that ten feels fair. Okay. I like it. Um, who is the starting tight end uh, week one? Week one, it's Jeff Swint. He's the veteran. Okay. I mean, he, he's the, the only guy who's, who's produced at an NFL level. Not that that you know, says I was gonna much. Say, there's not a lot of group. production uh, history among the big four. Um, Rigo Gaithers is the guy that everybody wants to talk themselves into, right? Like the ba- like he just has that look of like, oh, he could be something. But I feel like the, the Cowboys had somebody similar. Was it Escobar like five years ago who people kept trying to uh, like, Was that it? Also, Gavin Escobar, yes. he was a second-round pick as well, and, and he was long-heralded as having the best hands on the team, right. better yeah, than yeah, Dez. Yeah. And, he, 
And, and he, had, he had a couple nice games. He had a big game against the Giants in October of 2014 when the Cowboys were picking up steam. Uh, I think he had two touchdowns that day. Uh-huh. Um, and and it, just, it just never really clicked. And you think about it. I mean, Witten spelled so many dudes I mean, and, and so yeah. many high picks. I mean, Gavin Escobar was a second-round pick. Anthony Fasano, John Phillips, Martellus Bennett, you know, couldn't make way in Dallas because of, of Jason Witten. And so, um, I so mean, now it's finally Witten's an opportunity. Fault. Wow. You know, uh, Witten, you unbelievable. Know. <laughs> it, he didn't take the time to develop those guys so that once he finally stepped away, they would at least have somebody waiting in the wings. Really, really selfish of Jason Witten to do that to the Cowboys. You know, it's, um, hey, you know, it's just the way, uh, you know, there was a big story, though. I think the Dallas Morning News wrote it uh, over the offseason, how he wrote um, Rico Gathers' a letter from his personal stationery. So apparently Witten has personal stationery, and it was just, you know, hey, you know, believe in yourself, uh, you know, et cetera. Um, but, but Rico is a really polarizing player with Cowboys fans. You know, you either think he's garbage or you think he is Antonio Gates 2.0. Um, and, and, and so, you know, from, for my money's worth, I don't think he makes the 53-man roster. I think he's just so raw. Oh, wow. Jason, Garrett has, Jason Garrett has said on, on different occasions, uh, you know, things to the effect that he could practice five times a day and it wouldn't be enough. I mean, you know, the guy's been playing football for, you know, two years at this point, you know, compared to, you know, everybody else been playing right. since they were kids. So, I mean, it's just, um, it was, it was a cool project and something certainly I think worth investing in with a six round pick. It's a good flyer, but if it doesn't happen, you know, that's, uh, that's the way it is sometimes. Okay. Last question. Then we'll actually, this is a two parter. Um, one, do you think there is a chance that Jason Witten is a better commentator than Tony Romo in his rookie year? And two is Jason Garrett, the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys next season. I don't think that Witten is as animated as Ramos. It depends how you qualify better, but I think he'll be, he'll be more professional, if that makes sense. You know, he'll be, I, you know, and Tony Romo will, but you could, you could see Witten doing Super Bowls. You know, you could see Witten hosting the Olympics, you know, things like that. Um, a, a fun fact about, about their, you know, sort of connection to one another, though, Tony Romo's first Cowboys game last year was the Kansas City Chiefs game that Tyreek Hill played at the end of the right. first half, and that, w- that was on November 5th. And, uh, and Tony would do Thanksgiving later, uh, obviously, for the Cowboys as well. But Jason Witten returns. The only Cowboys game on Monday Night Football is against the Tennessee Titans. That game is on November 5th. So kind of a, a cool little coincidence uh, <laughs> that, cool. That, that that happened. But, um, you know, on, on Jason Garrett, you know, I hate to cop out, but, you know, you know, Jerry Jones said it's not a playoffs or bust year. Uh, and, and to your point earlier, I mean, you know, the guy – from a technical, literal sense, has had back-to-back winning seasons. Yep. Um, I, I, I will say that when you're around this team, there is a very tangible force about them that they are a family, that they are a brotherhood, that they, they sort of have one another's backs. And, I, you know, like I said, I believe that's a powerful thing in sports. Does that mean anything in August? Absolutely not. But I do think it's a, it's a testament to the culture that Jason Garrett has built. And he definitely has. Have there been missteps along the way? Sure. Uh, just like there are across every you know professional sports team, but I do think that these are Jason Garrett's guys, and I do think that they believe in what he says, and I think that they're a really good football team. That I think when you know, if you told me the over under was for the Cowboys was nine and a half, I mean that's a really that's right there, and I'd probably take the over, Same. and that probably makes them a wild that probably makes the wild card, uh, excuse me makes them a wild card team. And, you know, if if they're playing the Falcons in, in the wild card round, I like their odds. Yeah, I would agree. Um, always bet against Steve Sarkeesian. It's a good rule of thumb. Um, That's a great rule. 
<laughs> yeah, just be glad you have Scott Linehan. I never thought I would ever actually muster, like muster that sentence together of just be thankful that you have Scott Linehan. But um, be thankful that there's continuity on both sides of the ball with the coordinator positions with Marinelli and uh, Linehan because they've shown success. But uh, yeah, well, it's to that point, to yeah, that point uh, not to cut you off, but to that point, those are sort of the last all guys left you know right in front of jason they, I mean, they already else, wiped. right yeah yeah Derek exactly, Dooley's gone. Exactly. yeah all of them everybody yeah yeah so so if you know if uh if it hit the fan so to speak this season you know if the defense was horrible if the offense couldn't score i mean you, you've got that last lifeline you know in a, in a technical sense mm-hmm. uh and maybe that's what you know what it was and then you bring in some you know you promote chris Rashard, a defensive coordinator i mean who knows but uh, that could that could maybe be his you know his last shield if uh, if it doesn't go well this season. Yeah, he's on the last year of his deal, so there's not a huge financial uh, incentive to keep him around this year if you don't think he's the guy. But I also am like you either believe he's your guy or you don't. Like I don't like this idea of the playoffs are bust or you have to reach this benchmark, whatever. Like if you believe in the coach and you believe in the coach fully, no matter what the ex- uh, the other circumstances surrounding their season and everything else. So um, if I had to bet, I think Garrett's probably back because I think this team's going to be good this year. And I think uh, I, if I'm a betting guy and I'm encouraging people to bet on the NFC East, it is uh, the Eagles and the Cowboys. I would bet on the over and I would be pounding the under for the Giants and uh, the Redskins. Even though like 2-14 and 14 is insane for Washington, which I've seen uh, recently because Alex Smith wins regular season games i feel like he is the most successful regular season winning quarterback in like the last five years like just look at how many games he won in kansas city and i understand that kansas city is not washington but the idea that the the alex smith redskins are losing a lot of games is preposterous like i don't think they're not a super Bowl contender but they're gonna win a lot of games in very excruciating fashion and uh there's still talent there and it'll be enough to go like seven and nine at like the worst like they're gonna be a really annoying eight and eight team i feel like but anyway I agree. And, uh, you know, last thing I'll say, I guess, is I'm really excited for a specific thing. And it's been a long time since we've had a great Cowboys game in Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, you think about it, the last two years, they've met in Philly in the regular season finale. And in 2016, Cowboys had nothing to play for. And 2017, the Eagles, uh, you know, they kind of just swapped places. And so, you know, 2015, when the Cowboys visited Philadelphia, that was the game Romo broke his collarbone for the first time. Uh, and Brandon Wheaton came up and, and finished that win. But the last really good game that the Cowboys played in Philadelphia was 2014 when Romo to Dez happened three times, coincidentally, over the aforementioned Nolan Carroll. But this season, the Cowboys visit the Eagles, I believe, uh, maybe like two weeks before Thanksgiving. Okay. So I'm, re- I'm really excited, finally. And I believe that game's on Sunday Night Football. So, nice. you, know, that, that's, you, you know, there's a few things uh, across the NFL season that are just really good. Cowboys and Philly uh it's something we've missed out on and um i, I you know that's it's never happened in the Dak Zeke era that we've gotten to see them in that environment with with something on the line so i'm excited for that rj this was great i really appreciate you taking the time we can follow you on twitter at rj ochoa we can read you at the best dallas cowboys website on the internet at bloggingtheboys.com rj we're gonna have to do this again soon you were fantastic Thanks very much. Anytime, uh, let me know, and uh, we'll see you out there on the Twitter streets. I appreciate it. All right. On the line right now, my good friend Nick Stellini of The Athletic, Baseball Prospectus, Beyond the Box Score, everywhere in the world. Nick Stellini, one of the best MLB writers right now. Nick, good evening. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm better than the Yankees, right? 
Um, well, I mean, it really depends on um, a number of things. Are we, are we talking the Yankees now or the Yankees in a month? Let's talk about both. So right now, let's start, I guess, with the right now, and then we'll go and we'll start forecasting a month from now. But like, there, it seems like a lot of people have overreacted to the way the Red Sox series went. Um, did you watch the entirety of that Sunday night game? Um, I did not. I was on a train for most of that. Um, I okay. was on a train coming home from Boston. Um, I caught the very end of it. I was going to say, was the train ride longer than the actual game? Um, not really. Well, so I didn't get out. Like I got on the train at six thirty. I got into my destination at like eleven thirty. And the game is still going. Yeah, so it was an eight o'clock game, obviously. Yeah. But it's Yankees Red Sox, so it takes forever. How um, do people do this? I, I a lot of people don't. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people go to bed. Um, which I is think the ra- ESPN thinks people like this. Do people, are the ratings that much better for these games? I, I'm, I I'm sure they are. Yeah, uh, they wouldn't do it if the ratings weren't worth it. Um, which you know says something about baseball and the regionality of baseball. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, like, so it was Yankees Red Sox. Yankees Red Sox Sunday night seems to go longer, and then it was a David Price game too. Um, yeah. So and he takes forever. So it was, it was a number of factors. And then there was some free baseball at the end, uh, like 1230 at night, free baseball. Thankfully, it didn't run very long, but yeah. But that's also not free baseball. Why do people like throw out the adjective free whenever a sporting event goes into extra time? It's not like you're – that's not what free is. It's just free, extra. Free, ba- free baseball is never free. Yeah, I don't know what that means. There, I don't know why there, you keep there throwing is that a out there. fiscal and spiritual price to pay for, exactly. for free baseball. You're using more electricity to watch that game. Like it's it's not free. There's all kinds of. Uh, I'm not going to go into a diatribe about that. But um, the Yankees. So Sonny Gray demoted to the bullpen, and a lot's been made about this. It seems like it was a long time coming. Um, Luis Severino has obviously been struggling as of late. Uh, Masahiro Tanaka might be. <laughs> He's been great. Good. Yeah, which is weird, and like it, it's amazing that we're talking about him as like the wild card pitcher. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. Okay. Would it still be Severino for you? So here's the thing. Um, Severino in his current state, no. Okay. Uh, like he had – like tonight he gave up two runs in the first inning to the White Sox. Um, and then he bounced back and had a very quick second inning. But I, I don't know. He, just, that's, he doesn't seem right. They're hitting the fastball, which like was never a thing earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the slider is still biting, but it, it, the fastball is getting hit. Um, his delivery is kind of off right now. Like he, like in the minors, he used to have like this very arm heavy delivery and like everybody thought he was going to be a reliever because of that. And he, mm-hmm. they, they, they fixed it and now he's Luis Severino. Um, but he's, he's very arm heavy on his delivery right now, which to me, I, I mean, I, I just think he's gassed right now. Um, mm-hmm. like he's a smaller dude and this is like way over where he's been in the past in terms of innings. So, I would imagine that – so, like, I would advocate for a phantom take two weeks off DL stint. Okay. But I also don't know that that's a realistic possibility right now, just given the state of the pitching. Well, they have J.A. Happ and Lance Lynn now, who Lance they Lynn do. pitching well. So they do. Lan- yeah. Lance Lynn has, has pitched well against the Orioles and the White Sox, so that tells mm-hmm. us all we need to know. Exactly. Um, I'm, not discount- I'm not discounting Lance Lynn. I actually don't hate that pickup. Um, I think that could be a sneaky good trade once he starts picking against like you know actual baseball teams, but right. um, 
No, I, I don't. I don't hate that trade at all. Uh, Hap is happy. He's been great this year. Um, I, uh, that that's a very good trade. I I I mean, look, maybe Sonny Gray finds it. Like he he got into three innings last night uh, in extra innings, and he was very aggressive, which is very different than what he's been so far this year. He's been very much nibbling this year, which is his big problem. He doesn't seem to have confidence in his stuff, even though we all know Sonny Gray is great stuff. But and he that's was, baffled him, right? Like a lot of his quotes is like, "It's it, I feel bad for him." Sonny Gray is like one of those guys. I genuinely like, feel bad. Screwed up, for him. like he's yeah. been, he's been like not happy about it. Um, and like he was talking on the radio after the game last night, um, and he like seemed genuinely emotional that he had a successful outing, got the win last night. Yeah. Uh, so maybe he he you know they give him a few more relief outings and they put him back in the rotation. Who knows? Um. I mean, Brian Cashman made some comments right around the trade deadline that made it seem like they wanted to dump him as quickly as possible. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. I think when you say dump him, what do you mean? Like trade him? Okay. I don't That'd think be that's weird. A, I don't think that's yeah. a good idea. Yeah. Um. Maybe that was some sort of tough love thing that Cashman was doing. I don't know. Um. I would keep him around in one capacity or another especially if you can use him to give Severino a week or two off, uh, which I think is tantamount right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're just thin. Like, Tanaka is obviously pitching really well, and we just talked about Severino. I mean, you still have CC doing CC-like things and maintaining. He's going to have, like, a 4.44 ERA for, like, the next seven years, it feels like. He's he's fine. Like, he is a serviceable guy. He, um, just, he shoved last night, man. He yeah. struck out 12 guys last night. So that's good, but you're still playing with fire a little bit when yeah. Serena's doing what he's doing and like kind of relying on Tanaka and Sabathia to keep everything in place is a little terrifying if you're a Yankees fan, right? Well, it's that, and their depth is also taking a big hit. Her- Domingo yeah. Herman was in the rotation for a while. He got to move, and then he got hurt. Uh is still hurt. I was going to say, what happened to my guy? Okay, so he's hurt because I liked him a lot. There was some inflammation. Okay. Um, So he's he's on the DL. Mm. Um. They Montgomery. did bring up Montgomery was at the Tommy John. They yep. brought up Chance Adams for one game, and he was okay. Um, I don't know if I want him in the rotation for an extended period of time, but he was, he's fine. Uh, Justice Sheffield exists. He's Theoretically, still, yeah. He's still walking a lot of guys, mm-hmm. which you don't really want in the middle of a you know playoff run. Yeah. I think he could possibly be used as a weapon out of the bullpen. Yeah. But I don't Speaking know. Speaking of the bullpen, though, Chapman, another guy. He's been oh. fine. He's fine. So you're not worried about Chapman? I'm not worried about Aroldis Chapman. He's had the knee okay. thing all year. Um, he does this like once a month where he blows up. It happens. Mm-hmm. Um, Batanz is still awesome. He's Batanz like the is having hero a monster season. Yeah, it doesn't seem like he gets enough credit. Like everybody talks about Chapman with the Yankees bullpen, but it's really been Batanzas. It's Batanzas. Um, AJ Cole is good now. Yeah, I, I, that's something that doesn't really get talked about. The fact that AJ Cole's good, Robertson hasn't fallen off. He's been okay. Yeah. Um, Jonathan Holder got good for a while, and now he's back to being Jonathan Holder. Maybe that goes the other way again. Uh, Chad Green's getting hit a little bit lately, but he'll be fine. Uh, the Zach Britton acquisition is going exactly as I thought it would, in that it's a roller coaster. <laughs> um, it, do you think it continues, or do you think it settles out? Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's not really like he's not the same guy he used to be. He's, he's gotten, yeah. you know, cut open a bunch of times. Um, 
I think the Zach Britton experience will be more good than bad. Um, but if, if, if things were to get all Fernando Rodney up in this, I wouldn't be shocked where it's you, you pull your hair out, but it works. Yeah. Well, it seems like the Yankees and especially Cashman have gotten kind of hit a little bit for uh, getting more international pool money. And uh, so, yeah. So we, well, here's Warren, the thing. Like, what do you make of all that? So Adam Warren is a good relief pitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of that was centered around the fact that like, the day after they did that, uh, Gray got destroyed by the Orioles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that was the first game of the Boston series where I forget who was pitching that day. I think it was Sabathia got destroyed. Um, and they had to empty the bullpen basically. And they're like, Oh, it'd be great. If Adam Warren was still here, we're like, no, Adam Warren would be unavailable because he would have thrown 50 pitches in relief of gray the previous day. Um, but yeah, Adam Warren was a decent reliever. He became a little bit more fungible with the acquisition of Britain. The fact again, that AJ Cole is good now. Um, I'm just as surprised as you are about that, but yes, AJ Cole is good now. So he moves into the Adam Warren role. Um, Typically, you don't trade good relievers in the middle of the playoff chase, especially to a team you might be facing in the wildcard game. Mm-hmm. Um, they did get some pretty good international dudes with that international pool money. Yeah. But if you can give me the 16-year-old or you can give me Adam Warren, I don't know. It's tough because uh, Cashman, he's done. He, Cashman's a good GM. And I can understand the criticism with moving on from Warren and trying to allocate resources towards someone who's not going to be on the professional roster for like seven, eight more years. And a lot of names that you just you're not going to see for a while and you're in a pennant chase and you're trying to win now. And it's tough, though. You don't want to like completely like he remade the farm system with a couple of trades. He got like he's found a way to contend and re reload at the same time like it's he deserves a lot of credit for that but this is like one of those weird things where it's like well we a lot of these guys are now on the main roster we have glaboratories there we have miguel and we have all these guys up here but um we still have to at least prioritize the future simultaneously if possible and i think this is one of those things where it's like they're not going to not win the world series because they did not uh they they just let go warren and and they didn't really go all out in addressing their bullpen like it's not like they stood pat they still traded for J. A. hat they still traded for lance land they still did other things to improve the roster right now and um i don't know i just think it was a little overblown it's like the yankees are not in a slump because of that one decision by cashman to allocate some of his resources towards uh guys who aren't going to be on the roster for 10 years it's i think it's fine uh and and really like i think the thing if you're going to criticize cashman um the thing you would criticize him for is not acquiring a bat yeah um because they're Cause, injured, like everybody's hurt. Like Gary Sanchez, who's never been right all year. I think he has like an eighty-nine WRC plus. It's not good. Yeah. No, and Austin Romine, not good. Uh, he had that cool inside the park home run a couple weeks ago. So I guess that was the one shining moment for him this year. But uh, Greg Bird, uh, like when do when are you out on Greg Bird? I'm getting there. You're getting there. Okay. Um, he's fine. He's been okay. The moment just may never come for him. In New York. No, I, I I think the shoulder injury might have screwed him. He's still having some trouble catching up to stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Judge and Sanchez out at the same time is not great. Um, they did Clint bring Frazier it. Frazier play first. Well, no, so here's the thing. Clint Frazier's hurt. 
Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah. That, like so, so that 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 this wouldn't be as much of an issue if Frazier was healthy. He'd be up and playing every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I have the utmost confidence in Clint Frazier being an everyday major league player. Um, right, what position? In the outfield. Okay, so he can play outfield. He's not just a DHer. No, he he's he's a passable outfielder. Okay. Um, they did acquire Luke Voigt. Not good. It was an up and down first baseman with the Cardinals. Yeah. And anytime you can acquire an up and down first baseman from the Cardinals, you, you got to do it. Hey, um, the Braves last year when they got Matt Adams. See, like, but like Matt Adams is actually good. Um, <laughs> right. Matt Adams has been in the league for a while. Luke Voigt. I mean, it was also, again, that was about the international signing bonus money because they traded Chase and Shreve and Giovanni Gallegos yeah. to the cards for the money and Voigt. Um, and so like, they're playing Luke Voigt. They're playing Shane Robinson, who is still in baseball, apparently. Um, and Boone played them together. And that was something yes. that Pinstripe Alley wrote about. Of, yes. And I thought it was fascinating. Of, the, like The lineups that he's using. You can't play those two together. Lineup yeah. construction has been fascinating. Um, and to, to be diplomatic. I was going to say, fascinating is a very generous term to describe I mean, I, lineups. I, yeah. I get that you can't run the same lineup out there every single day. Cause you know, mm-hmm. guys need to breathe, but, um, these are dark times. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think that the number of at bats that Shane Robinson is getting is questionable. Um, they seem to be like almost platooning bird and Voight, which is weird because like bird actually has pretty decent numbers against lefties. Mm-hmm. Um, like, He's not a guy who cannot hit lefties and needs to be in a strict platoon. That's not... You just have to see what you have there. I would just be giving him as many at-bats as possible. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, and it's not just that. Like, and that, like, like you're saying, they, he's been putting Voigt and Robinson in the same lineup, which is weird because if you're going to spell Stanton, like, then you DH Neil Walker. Yeah, he's or, been good. Or, or you play Neil Walker at first base because he can do that. Yeah. Um, it, it's questionable to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I am also not the manager. Yeah. I know things. Maybe they have some funky internal stuff that says to do this. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how much of this is like, if Aaron judge does not get hurt, are we overreacting the way we are? I don't think they would be doing this if Aaron judge was healthy. Yeah. Um, like Aaron judge, he, like he's not LeBron James. He can't carry the team. This is baseball. But um, the lineup just gets so much less imposing without Eric exactly. Judge. Yeah. Um, there's also the matter of the fact that Glaber Torres is not playing well right now. He hasn't been playing well since he came off the DL. Um, he doesn't seem to be moving quite as well, which leads me to question whether or not his hip is fully healthy, because that was the issue. There was a hip thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least you have Neil Walker there still to spell him. Walker's actually possible. been playing really well lately. Yeah. Um, like Walker's on fire. Uh, this you is would, what you sign Neil Walker for is yes. like insurance of like, oh, Torres is not he's not right right now. That's fine because we have somebody like Neil Walker, the super utility vet, who's actually still good at baseball. Yes. Um, why he didn't get a job until March is mystifying, but yes. Yeah. Um, so. Is, there's been that, so he's not moving as well. He's not running as well. He's allayed some balls in the field, 
And at the same time, this is happening. The whole Miguel Andujar is not a good third baseman talk is finally catching up with the performance a little bit. Um, he is makes some questionable decisions in the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and the spotlight shine on him now more because Drury's gone. Yes. Brandon Drury is no longer here. Um, so it is, it is a weird time for the Yankees right now. That being said, they're probably about to sweep the White Sox. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, they're going to get some games back there. And the upcoming schedule is pretty soft. Last thing on the Yankees, and then we'll move on. Um, do you believe, because Keith Law, shout out to Keith Law and uh, Eric Carabell, who were back on the podcast on ESPN, the baseball podcast this week, which was a delight because Behind the Dish was one of my favorite podcasts. Like, that's one of the early podcasts that I got into when, like five years ago that just got canceled, and it really upset me that Keith Law lost his MLB podcast because it was outstanding and i really love listening to keith law and eric carabal talk about baseball because eric is like a low-key hot take assassin and it's really enjoyable and uh keith law is a good counter to him and it's uh it's a lot of fun but anyway they were talking about like the chances that the yankees actually don't start anyone in the wild card game and that they just go straight relievers all throughout do you buy into that do you think that's a realistic possibility if severino's not right they might do that okay Um, that's gonna be wild Especially if it's against the A's. Well, but, but here's the thing. So, like, again, A.J. Cole is good again. So you can, like, get two or three innings out of him. Then mm-hmm. you can go straight to green and then, you know, so on and so forth. Acquire Sergio Romo in the de- before the August 31st de- first deadline. I mean, they don't – like, again, this is where Justice Sheffield comes in. Like, I, yeah. I, I, I think that, you know, you can do these things if you really, really need to. Yeah. Speaking of the A's, so the A's are rising. They're only, don't look now, but like another team that got just destroyed by the injury bug in the last month or so, Houston Astros, who were having like an yeah. all-time great season, but they're suddenly in a pennant chase. And I don't think a lot of people know this yet, that the Astros actually, like, it's not going to happen, them missing the playoffs, but they're only a couple games up on the A's, and the A's keep winning, and guess what else? The A's have a starting rotation now. The A's have Edwin Jackson posting the best ERA of his career in year 12. Edwin Jackson. Trevor Cahill has a curveball and a changeup that actually gets swinging strikes consistently. Cahill's a good guy to have on your rotation now. Brett Anderson went to Coors Field just a week ago and didn't get shelled. He went like seven innings. Everything is coming up roses. Is that the expression? I don't know. I'm excited about the A's. And it, uh, their rotation is a marvel. Everything about it I love. So, like, I like the A's. I really do. That being said, I like Don't you dare. maybe three guys in their rotation. Um, I hope one of them is Frankie Montes, who became a ground ball pitcher this year, similar to Zach Greinke. He's posting ground ball rates similar to the ground ball assassin himself, Zach Greinke. He was a home run so guy. And I, I, was, I, yeah. I, I was, oh, yeah. excuse me. Um, I was speaking of... Manaya fires and Cahill. Okay. Um, Cahill was actually like sneaky good for the Padres last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe he was on the Padres last year, wherever he was last year. He was sneaky. He was on a lot of teams. He's been on at least 13 teams in his MLB career. Um, but he's back I, where he started. And Manaya is legitimately good. Fires is somehow having like a 3 4 8 ERA. Like, I am shocked at this. 
um, I didn't realize how good he was when uh, they, they traded for him. Like, I know he was on the market. I like, didn't realize how good he was that season he was having. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, how – like, I – and, you know, kudos to Edwin Jackson. I'm not trying to take anything away from him. He's, he's done great. He's got but, a cutter now. He never threw a cutter before this year, and now he throws it, like, a third of the time, and it actually and, it really and, works. And, and maybe that's the secret sauce. I don't know. Um, but – I mean, if if you had to ask me whether or not Edwin Jackson is going to be doing this in a month, I'm going to say no. Um, and How the same for doubt Edwin Jackson at this point. What does Ed, he have to do? Well, he he's got you know 12 years of yeah, other. This is the best year of his career. I, it's I'm an not, Edwin I'm, Jackson year. I, I'm not trying to say that. He, Join me, Nick. All, all I'm saying is that they're they're very happy to have Shamanaya because that's a guy you can ride in a wild card game. Oh yeah. Um I they are they are fun and a little weird, which is good with good with me. I like weird. Um and maybe Edwin Jackson really is a guy you're excited to have starting game three or four in in the, the playoffs. Good good for him. Um but we we shall see. So they're uh, five and a half back of the Astros. I don't think they're actually going to catch them. I, yeah, I really it's not happening. No, but the Astros are they're they're, they're 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 vulnerable. They are, but because of the Astros, they have like still. It's just it's amazing that Alex Bregman's like having this career renaissance this year and like what renaissance. He's like twenty three. I mean, I'm saying like, I shouldn't say renaissance, but like a breakout season, I should say instead. Like he's just having a breakout year. And that's nice because sometimes you get hit with the injury bug. No matter how much talent you have, you still, like these kind of things happen to every team. And like Carlos Correa has been hit a little bit. You have George Springer now going through the injury bug and you have their starting rotation getting a little bit shakier, even though the, like Charlie Morton is still like superhuman there. But um yeah, I, th- I just think it's fascinating that this team that was just posting statistical anomalies to start this year and midway through this summer, and now just to see where they are, where they're like now kind of in a pennant race, it- it's kind of baffling. But it's also just an awesome story that um, Matt Chapman is a superstar. And did you see that play? I think I forgot who they were playing the other day. Yes. This bouncing ball. Like, yes. Just a cr- He's insane. He-, he is very, very good at the baseball. He's just the complete package and you know what else i'm i'm a fan of matt olsen actually turning out to be a first baseman who can play every day yeah that's fun he's not a platoon guy and i was worried and um he went to my high school i should uh, disclose okay. so i've always been rooting for him and uh good kid but uh i was a little nervous going into this year whether or not he was going to end up being a platoon guy and a guy who bounced around the league but he actually might be a, a staple there still a high k percentage that guy strikes out all the time but um uh, he's got the power. 22 dingers this year. Chris Davis, 32. I, I love that he's hit 32 home runs. That doesn't seem right. I always look at that, and I'm just, I, I can't believe that that's a I mean, thing. He's hit like 40 like the last three or four years. It just never looks right to me. Chris Davis, I guess it's when I watch him and I see him, he doesn't look like that kind of guy who should have that kind of power. Maybe that's all it is. He's a strong dude. Yeah. Um, you still have Steven Piscotty. We'll see what happens there. Marcus Simeon. Like, Jed Lowry, all-star Jed Lowry. Like, I just, everybody on this team, I like. There's no, like, bad story. No, that's really fun. They're they're a very enjoyable team. Um, does Sean Kelly implode the the roster like he did the Washington Nationals? That was so to... stupid. 
the, the Nationals never fail to be as stupid as humanly possible. It's really it's really impressive. Um, I give them a lot of credit for that. They're 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 consistent if nothing else. Let's talk about them because the Nationals. I'm right there with you. They their deadline moves just they annoyed me as well. Like so, tonight. let's let's talk about tonight. Um, so it seems that the Nats have had issues with the umpire all game. Um, you know, people are barking and chirping. So you know, you know somebody's gonna get tossed. Um, so. Bryce Harper hits a home run. Juan Soto walks up to the plate, immediately gets tossed. Um, which seems to be because he was talking about the, the, the pitch he got rung up on the previous time up, and you're not allowed to do that because you're a rookie. So, and the, it's I'm showing, and so he gets tossed. Kevin Long, the hitting coach, gets tossed. What does Dave Martinez do? I don't know. What did he do? Nothing. Okay. Dave Martinez does not get himself run in the fifth inning down, I think, 5-1 or 6-1. to one, He lets Tommy Malone bunt a runner over to second instead of pinch hitting. Um, Dave Martinez, man. Dave, Dave Martinez is – is he, he is hashtag goals, man. He, he is on another level. <laughs> He's galaxy brain. He, he is like – illuminated universe brain it's 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 wonderful um like listen i'm I'm not saying that their injury woes would go away that everything would be solved but can you imagine where this team would be with dusty baker that's so tough to say like because a lot of this stuff especially the start year was injury related and i don't know how much dusty helps the starting pitchers being as bad as they've been that clubhouse is, is is gone I mean, that clubhouse is, feels like it's always sucked. But right? do you know in the two years it wasn't gone? Yeah. When Dusty was there. But do you really think that this team, like, how much does that really affect things? I, I, don't I think know that's like this. two or three wins. Okay. And maybe that's what ends up costing the division. I mean, the Braves are fading. Mm-hmm. The Braves are definitely fading, but the Braves, like... I think Kevin Gaussman's going to be really good for them, and I think they might right the ship a little bit. Newcomb's still really good. Tehran, I'm still... Uh, I, I don't know. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. No matter what, I think we already know what the wild card's going to be. The only way the NL East team is going to get into the playoffs is by winning the division. I think we're getting Brewers, Diamondbacks in the wild card no matter what. So uh, That'll be Braves, fun. Yeah, I mean, it'll be a fun series. but I mean, a fun one-game playoff, but I, I just think the NL East is now at a point where if you don't win the division, you're not getting in at all. So... Braves are probably not a playoff team, um, and I don't think that really matters because I don't think they were they have the rotation and the bullpen to really go deep into the postseason this year anyway. And I just think the Phillies are a better team, but the Nationals have no excuse for operating the way they did under the deadline because so Bryce Harper is now mashing. I don't know if people know this post deadline. He was He's already destroying. Like, yeah. Um. So the fact that they were like, I'm okay with them going into this last year, like the fact that they were really like, conflicted about trading with the deadline is baffling to me because we already know Rizzo loves Harper. We know that Harper is probably leaving after this year, no matter what anyway, why not go all out in this last year of strong contention? Cause the Braves are coming. The Phillies are already there. Like you should be pulling out all the stops to ensure that this last year with Harper is a playoff year. And because it's it's a crapshoot once you get in anyway. 
but just still go all out. You are getting two, like the, I think they're catching cumulative batting average this year is 217. Like it's been a dumpster fire. Like the fact that they didn't get Wilson Ramos and the Phillies swooped in and got him is indefensible. I, I don't know how that happened. Like JT Romuto, like he was obviously going to cost a lot to get him out of Miami because Miami is suddenly um, being more proactive and ensuring that they're not just giving away uh, really good players for next to nothing. Shout out to Christian Yelich. Um, but I, I just, I don't really understand how they went into this deadline without acquiring a catcher. I mean, I guess they could get Devin uh, um before the August 31st deadline. Like that seems like a possibility and he would still be an upgrade, even though he's only what, like a 241 hitter at this point. But um, that would help. Like they've obviously been injured in the outfield. Strasburg has not been right all year. Uh, but even the injuries in the outfield, like, Juan Soto is a god. So yeah, they're he's having the best teenage year of all time. Like Juan Soto is a freak of nature. Um, sidebar: Fuck Joe Simpson. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Soto is awesome. That's another reason that makes this season so frustrating with this team is that they are getting so much out of so many different guys that they should not be getting stuff out of. And Harper's mashing now. Like they should have added at least one starter before like J.A. Happ, whoever, gotten somebody else because Tanner Rourke sucks. Like they should have found someone else. Like they're they are wasting the lot. They already showed they were winning now because they traded for Kelvin Herrera before any other team could jump on him a couple of months ago. Like this team makes no sense. And I think Rizzo's a good GM by and large, but like I think a lot of this comes from the learners, yeah. Yeah, that's what it seemed like to me, where there is a disconnect somewhere up top, but I mean, like there was a report out there that like up? There was a report out there like Wizard was like ready to move Harper and like had you know offers in hand and the learner said no. Yeah, I, d- I don't know. I, I it's I believe it's that. I, I owners are I, I have no idea. I'm not I have no idea. But it's just it's frustrating because I don't like seeing greatness wasted. That's why the Trout stuff in Los Angeles continues to annoy me. But like. Harper, like the, this was an easy thing. I feel like if you're a Nationals GM or who, if you're just the Nationals in general, the entire front office, like the plan from the get go should have been how do we ensure we have the best opportunity possible to win a title in Bryce Harper's last year? And they went back and forth at the deadline. I just, I, I don't know how you fumble into the deadline and just, it, it it's so insane to me the way they operated like they lost the deadline for me they were the biggest loser they just they didn't they didn't do what they were supposed to do they, the plan was clear like daniel murphy obviously not right but like ryan zimmerman hurt all that kind of stuff great whatever they should have gotten a catcher it should have been ramos i understand not going for real toe that's fine but they should have added him and they should have added another arm i just i don't like if they're gonna get matt harvey and devin mezzarocco at the deadline, but the uh, prior to the August thirty first deadline, postseason deadline, uh, cool, but it's just not enough. And if they don't make the playoffs this year, I actually hope they don't make the playoffs this year, based on how they operated um, this summer. So um, Nationals, you blew it, and the Phillies are probably going to enjoy um, year one of their new contention window. So here's the thing: this is. I don't want to say salvageable, but there is a thing they could do. Let me look at the standings real quick. So the Nationals, as we speak, are 
four and a half out of a wild card spot, which isn't impossible. Um, but I don't think they're anywhere near the level of Arizona or Atlanta or Milwaukee or even the Rockies for that matter, who I don't really like a whole lot, but, um, yeah. So as you said, Bryce Harper is mashing. He looks very, very good right now. Let's say the Nats continue to trip over their own, you know, their own feet and tumble a little further down the standings. You're Mike Rizzo. You get a call on August, I don't know. Like, the thing about August, right, you have to expose guys to waivers. Yep. Like, um, you might get a Tyson Ross, like the Cardinals just did. Well, I, I, I'm talking about Bryce Harper. Yeah. Um, and so the, they the shouldn't wa- do it. The no, waiver, they should the, ride the wa- this out. The, the waiver, but, but, here, but here's the thing. The waiver order... I think San Francisco would be first, as things stand right now, then the Pirates, then Washington. Um, so, I mean, the Giants are kind of going for it, but they're... They have six, to. They're the highest payroll in baseball. They're six and a half out. Yeah. Then, But let's say they continue to trend in the, the wrong direction. They're just kind of screwed because the Rockies are still playing pretty good ball, and the Dimebacks are obviously getting healthy and getting right at the right time. The Dodgers have Manny Machado, but yeah. Then there's the Pittsburgh Pirates, mm-hmm. who you know have a halfway decent farm system. They they did give some stuff up for Chris Archer as they should have. Mm-hmm. Um, like what what would you trade for a month and a half of Bryce Harper? It depends on the team, but if I'm the Pirates, I don't do that under any circumstances. Why not? He's not resigning with them. Doesn't matter. You're going I think for if you're it. the Dodgers when you go for it, like because they didn't want to, like we knew the okay, but but you're but you're go, but you're going for it. What are they going for though? They just traded for Keone Kelly and and but and those are guys who are under team control for three more years. Like okay. those are not win now moves. Okay, so, were, so, like, so then it's St. Louis. Yeah, St. Louis makes more sense to me. They have a well, nuclear hot Matt Carpenter. Hmm. They have a GM who's suddenly on the hot seat. He fired Matheny. There was some weird stuff with Bud Norris and everything. Like that, that the stuff that he was saying about Dexter Fowler over the summer. Oh, that was great. bad, bad. Yeah. They could use some sort of change up, I think, in that roster, and maybe that. Like they have a lot of moves to make, but like apparently they are uh, refocusing. Uh, there was a good athletic piece on this, uh, kind of the shift in their direction of like, we've been signing a lot of veteran free agents and all that kind of stuff. And now we're going to go back to uh, the Cardinals of old and develop our own guys. So I don't think they would do it now. I think they're out. I think they're about so, to get all the way out on all veterans and they're going to be like Ted Thompson days so, of green Bay. So, so here gets, here comes the really fun one. All right. The Colorado Rockies. Oh, I'm 100% here for that. And he plays first base. He doesn't even need to play first base. Their outfield's a disaster. That's true. But I just I, their first base situation has been a disaster. I feel. Like. I mean, I know he, yeah. he was taking ground balls at first base, but I don't know if you could just stick him there. He can't be worse than what they have at first base. Could they call Brad Hop? What is he up to these days? <laughs> so, like the Rockies actually have like stuff to, to trade. Um. So yeah, they're they're right now their their right fielder is what's left of Carlos Gonzalez. 
Uh, Wade Davis, they have a lot of high-priced veteran uh, relievers that they spend a lot of money on this offseason. I mean, like, really, you could just, like, bench Gerardo Parra and play him in left. True. I like the Rockies' idea. Like, like Bryce Harper and Coors would just be be excellent. Yeah, I'm I'm actually really on board with this. So, like, you could get, I don't know, Sam Hilliard. Yeah. You could get Sam Hilliard. You could get, you know, they've got stuff. I guess it it depends on how far how many games out they are. Like, are we saying as of right now they're they are three back of a wild card spot? Yeah, Uh, man, this is tough. And I would argue that getting an impact player for a wild card team is even more vital than a team going for a division title because that impact player can do more for you in that single game. Yep, I'd do it if I was the Rockies. I think they're the best choice here. Could you imagine that? I mean, it'd be baffling but like that'd be what a fun move. as hell it would it would uh it'd be it'd be fun him charlie blackman that group yeah it'd be a fun top of the lineup yeah i'm here for it let's do it bryce harper to the colorado rockies you heard it here first it's it's never gonna happen but there is a situation where it does happen and it makes a lot of sense okay i know some rockies people follow follow me and listen to the podcast so um send this podcast to the front office in colorado and pitch it to him why not if you're the rockies why not well the rockies have to hope that the pirates and the cardinals don't bite on it but yeah yeah um i think he makes the most sense there among the other three and would be the most likely i don't think he's getting moved i think they would have done it before then no it's not happening they should do it but it's not going to happen no, and that'd be a really bad look. It would show more dysfunction if they elected to do it after. Well, the I think that they need to extract as much value as possible from the asset right now. I don't know. I think if I'm them, I still just write it out because I don't think they're gonna ever be bad enough to like really like they're gonna be in this. So they're gonna let him go for like the seventy fifth overall pick. I I would do that. Yeah, I would argue the stuff you get from the Rockies is better than the seventy fifth overall pick. I think more. It shows that like we still. I think this is all different if they just acquired a starter. Like, they had acquired J.A. Happer or somebody. I, you know, I, I, I get the optics of it, but that's all eyewash to me. Yeah, I'm more of an optics person. And the optics would be really, really bad if they did I th- that. I think you swallow the bad columns that come out for a week and you get the prospects, but okay. Yeah. It's a tough call. It's uh, I can understand both perspectives, um, but we'll see. Nick Stellini. You're back. This was a pleasure, as always, sir. Um, we can follow you on Twitter at Stellini Tweets. We can read you at The Athletic, where you're writing consistently. And uh, what else do you have coming out this week? We're recording this on a Wednesday night. What else is coming out? Um, so I'm working on a re-ranking of uh, Yankees Top 10 for the prospect stuff for The Athletic. Um, so that that's a work in progress. I'm not sure that's going to be out, but I'm working on that. Perfect. Well, I will be on the lookout, and everybody else should. And Nick, we will talk in soon, my friend. All right, see ya. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I uh, just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate if you could take a second, leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out chasethomaspodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at chase underscore thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase 
Thomas Ryder. Uh, thank you for your support, and we will be back in another episode very soon. Thanks, guys. For the ones standing guard, for the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner. Offering supplies and solutions for every industry. Committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com slash safety, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.